0: Boys, looks like we started the fun without me. You're all sick, every last one of
1: you. We're going to need a bigger gun.
0: What's the matter? You're scared of things that go boom. Give me one
1: goddamn reason why I shouldn't blow your goddamn brains all over that goddamn wall.
0: My name is Eric. Xandra 13. I am
1: here with Michael Kester. Hello. We have made it to the end of the year. That's right. We're going to start parceling off the episodes as NFTs in order to fund a big project we have planned for next year. Um, So get in quick because the good episodes are going to go fast, probably like in the the near $1 range, whereas some of the worst episodes (laughs) may only garner a few pennies. You know, if you think about it, if we sold every episode of Double Feature for $1...
0: We could fund the show to do a season 14. Yeah, (laughs) God, I know. That's been the theory since the beginning of the show, and one day that'll work out, I think. (laughs) So you are listening to the, well, either the beginning or the end of a year of Double Feature. We're in between the panels. We are... Yes, little super reference there. I caught that. I caught that. (laughs) So we're gonna do the show today and we're gonna talk about the last year of Double Feature. If you haven't heard the last year of Double Feature, it's a great sort of summary of what we do with the show, where the sort of end destination of a year-long run of this show is, and it's spoiler-free. So that's great. If you have been following along for an entire year of the show thank you yeah thanks (laughs) thanks for coming along and uh this is where we try to get some answers out of all of these these mysteries that we've set up throughout the year Mm -hmm. many experiments were performed i hope we reach some some good results but i suppose we'll find out
1: I think uh I think the broadest result of double feature for us is still just watch a lot of movies or as as a, a scholar once put it watch more fucking film. Yeah, <laughs> that does seem to be the at least baseline goal of double feature and so I can say with certainty that we did achieve bare minimum that goal. We watched a
0: lot of movies.
1: Good. <laughs> Good. Everybody got together.
0: And we successfully didn't kill ourselves. That's really... I mean, I assume everybody, everybody listening, every that's year. true
1: for. That's definitely true for everyone listening.
0: Hey, that reminds me, patreon.com forward slash double feature. If you want to hear the episodes from the previous year or support the current year of the show, you can do both of those on the same website by uh, using the exact same mechanism, which is Funding Double Feature on patreon.com forward slash double feature. So we use that to keep the show going, but it's also where we keep all of these back catalogs of the previous runs of uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. So if you're liking the current year and you want to hear about, uh, we're going to recount many films and what's going to happen, and I promise you it'll happen, is you're going to go, oh, I didn't see that film. I want to see that movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, I... I wonder what that episode was about. I'm now very interested in Tammy and the T-Rex or what that was like a week ago, <laughs> but, but maybe you're interested. I don't know. So you can hear the episodes on the Patreon. Thanks to everybody who came along this year. Some of the coolest stuff was the listener picks, and I'm sure they will come up many,
1: many times. We are contractually obligated to bring some of them up <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> Um okay so the other the the thing about this this episode of the show is like normally at the end of that that was that was what is you know could affectionately be referred to as the spiel that we do at the beginning of a standard double feature episode and then it's really usually really easy because we just get to go and now film number 1 like if it's next week we'd be like and now I don't know what we're doing. The Magic School Bus movie. I actually do know what we're doing. I, it's part of the rules of yeah, doing don't lie. the show. Don't lie, but uh, <laughs> part part of the rules of doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but now we 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 kind of just it, it's loose and and we get to talk about um, sort of whatever we want. So I think it's actually important just to keep us to give us sort of a not so much a roadmap but at least a line that we know we need, you need a line to form a tangent, you know? And so let's, let's plant the line.
0: Perhaps even a log line. (laughs) Is that, oh, no, that's not where you are. We need one for the entire year end is, uh, Um, yeah. How about that log line? Now that you don't have a log line, you're just like floating around in the ether. You don't know what to do.
1: Well, I mean, maybe that's our goal. Maybe our goal is to come up with a log line for year 13 of double feature. Oh, my God, Don't just invent homework
0: in the beginning of the show. That's horrifying. It's fine. I'm just Chekhov's gunning our <laughs> our plan. Well we'll we'll talk about the log lines. I want to of course talk about the best pairs and movies we did this year. Sure. We have a journey that we should discuss. We have uh, a move that happened in the middle of the show that I want to discuss. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see some films emerge from the entire year of double feature.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I just want to get out at the offset is um when when did when did year 13 start? Year 13 started um truly mid pandemic, right? Like we had just yes. We had gotten all the fun news that we were going to be like locked inside, but like it was it was there was this thing when the pandemic happened and you know it was kind of like this weird um this nebulous area of like hey we're we're we part of us and i think both of us maybe to a certain degree were relieved to not have to go outside right like that exists that was a thing but that wore off to a certain degree by the time this year of double feature started. We were firmly in the miserable portion of the pandemic. It, oh, yeah. The reality of it had settled in. Things were closed. People were broke. Well, you could see it on the
0: shows. You remember last year, we were having all these fun. Right. People are thinking about the pandemic. We're all getting through it shows. And this, yeah. this year was just like, we started
1: in Mad Max land. Exactly. And so I think that it's really important as you listening to this now, maybe you're out without a mask on, maybe you you went to the movies last weekend, you know, maybe maybe all of this has happened and just bear in mind that you are listening to the culmination of a show where we as a group were at the absolute bottom. I mean, this was mid the previous president, we weren't sure what was going to happen. We had just gotten through that like the riot thing. I cannot think of a lower note from like a global standpoint for Double Feature to have started a year. That said, we started on a super high note as far as films we paired. We decided, I don't know where we had the energy to go, let's, <laughs> let's really put a flag in the sand and go, let's let Podmanity know that we're doing something fucking different this year. And we're really going to try and like celebrate the future of cinema and we did um the spider-man into the spider-verse with bandersnatch which the first one you guys all totally remember the second one that's the name of that uh that black mirror feature length thing that netflix did that was (laughs) choose your own adventure it was called bandersnatch you're all going oh my god i forgot that that happened But we we I mean it really took tooth pulling between the two of us to accept a choose your own adventure movie as a movie. Yeah, it was
0: outside of format for sure.
1: Yeah, and well, and and so so for our show, so was the other movie, the one with the 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 Spider Man, because we don't sort <laughs> of Spider-Man. intentionally don't do the big studio stuff with the lightsabers and the Iron Men.
0: Well, you know, what's funny about that moment too is I think our show was doing what you saw theaters do, you know, back in March or I guess wherever, wherever you're listening and if theaters have opened by you or when they opened, you know, that kind of, all right. So in the United States, A Quiet Place came out Mm -hmm. and what was the marketing story of A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place too? The marketing story was theaters are back, right? You must see it in theaters, right? And the very next week, The Fucking Conjuring came out. Right. And what was the story of The Conjuring? Mm -hmm. Theaters are back. You must see And so every movie, every week.
1: It's like how Vin Diesel is the president of movie theaters right now. Like the (laughs) nation of theaters has elected Vin Diesel. Yes. To be the president.
0: Oh my God, Fast 9. Now you know, theaters are back. (laughs) Really, they are. And yeah, so there's this this sort of monumental effort every fucking week to be like, please, it's time to leave your house. Please, it is time. And I think, you know, we, uh, psychologically, we had that moment on the show. We're doing fucking a Spider-Man movie, you know, yep. and Bandersnatch. We're like, this is big. We are going to be okay. We can do these big movies. Double feature is back. And that's, <laughs> I think, the, the moment we're putting out there. Um, but I also know... You know, after an entire year under COVID, it has still changed the show. Oh, yeah. Something that has not made its way onto the show, but has been a huge, you know, we talked the, the last time we did a, uh, a year-end episode about our attention spans mm-hmm. and how the pandemic's kind of fucked with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's already a, a problem, but we talk about that all the time. But, uh, you know, I had really blamed not having movie theaters on part of the reason, like, I just need a theater to focus. Mm -hmm. And you joke with me, I mean, on the show sometimes, but mostly off the show, that, you know, I have this love of theaters when I can't go to the theater. And then as soon as I can go to the theater, I just, like, get scared and stay inside and don't, you know, don't leave. Right. So... You know, over the last couple of months since the theaters have been open, I've seriously been going two or three times a week. No joke. I saw four things in movie theaters last week. To some extent, it's the only way I can watch movies. I still can't get through mm-hmm. movies without pausing, without running around my house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it was this huge reminder. Even though it hasn't made its way onto the show, and I don't, I still don't know how to talk about it on the show. That having a, a kind of proper environment. To watch thing, I mean, it is a more now than ever in my life, a totally different experience watching something at home and watching it in the theaters, especially at a time when that, that, uh, is more blurred than ever before with these kind of like day and date, you know, releases. Mm-hmm. Are you back at theaters a lot?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not quite as often yet because there aren't as many good ones here. The Roxy and the Balboa just opened, so I'm going to see um, mm. Bride of Frankenstein at the Balboa, and there's a I think Sensor is the one I'm seeing at the Roxy now that it's open. Oh um, yeah, but we get uh, we get the Draft House back next month, so then I'll be, it's literally in between um, my house and my work. So I can literally stop by draft house on the daily and I probably will. Um, but I mean, no, I just saw, um, I just saw the the second quiet place not too long ago. But the thing that's interesting about that is like, even that, you know, for me, right, you're going, I know this, I don't think you mentioned this, but you're going to a lot of the independent art house cinemas around New York And I don't have that luxury. So I have to go to fucking AMC and Cinemark. And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, I went and saw the one where the gorilla punched the um, crocodile 90 Uh, feet high. (laughs) And I saw that shit in IMAX and that was fun. But like at quiet place, you know, there's just like, there's it, it's you're talking about attention span. It's, it's really difficult even knowing I'm in the theater because like, you know, my phone may be in my pocket. I may have a question. I may watch this and be like, so like, did this movie make its money back? Are we at that point? You know, and that just, that flashes in my brain. And I'm like, no one's going to fucking care if I pull out my phone and check Wikipedia right now. I don't do it, but I know I can. Um, because you're at AMC, you have the permission structure to be a fuck. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at some peasant some peasant theater that doesn't wouldn't kick me out.
0: McDonald's cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, God forbid I get a lifelong ban
1: from the film forum. I'd be fucked. Right? I'd have to move to another state. So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting um, to go to these things. But I also find, um, I don't know what it is. I, I, I Maybe I haven't seen the right movie yet in the theater, but I have yet to be, I just watched... Um, it's a movie. We'll it, we're one hundred percent gonna end up doing on the show at some point. But this uh, it's on Shutter. It's called Caveat. Oh yeah, it's this new thing that just went up on Shutter. And I watched that the other night at you know two a.m. And I fucking I think maybe my phone was dead or it was just so good I didn't even like need to look away. But like I was more gripped by Caveat than I was by any of the things I saw in the theater. So like I'm not sure. I thought. You know, I thought the same thing you you're saying, which is that maybe my attention span has been completely obliterated by TikTok. Let's mm-hmm. just be candid. Sure, but it's also possible that we just haven't reached the point cinematically. I think we're coming up to it. I think it's going to happen July, August, but we haven't reached the point cinematically where studios who have their their A game primed, locked, and loaded, they're not pulling the trigger just yet. I think that may be mm-hmm. what's going on cinematically and I think you're probably having a lot more success in the movies you're able to see because those smaller art house movies they don't have the same disgusting oversight from, you know, mechanical dollar gods that like will just reposition things so that Suicide Squad comes out after 90% of the country's vaccinated, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I haven't seen anything new in right. since March. I mean, it's all been Yeah. Oh, I want to see this old movie. I'll wait till one of these theaters yeah. shows it. Yeah. And I've been pretty lucky in that regard.
1: I think the only movie that you and I have both seen theatrically is the um Chris Rock movie with the with the traps. Oh yeah, yeah, I did see that. And in Coney Island, bizarre. That case in point makes everything I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. it should have been a movie that I was absolutely just like thrilled to see. But whether it's because it just wasn't a movie I loved or because I'm now looking for something else. Uh, I feel like I, feel, I mean, we probably should have known this, but the theatrical experience for me has changed. I'm really curious to see what it's like when I'm actually able to go back to an Alamo draft house, which will feel way more familiar to me. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, that's, I mean, that's just, that's one major thing. And the other thing, and this sort of brings us to one of the other things we want to talk about my having moved to San Francisco, if I were still living in Austin, mm-hmm. right? So we did these shows um, that we did, we did um, two sets of shows. So two shows back to back twice this year we each moved so we did one for you you moved from los angeles to new york and we did la story and under the silver lake for your like
0: that was the goodbye show and then white girl and king of new york was the right. the from la to new york yeah and that
1: was your welcome to nyc Right. And so, and I am, for me, we did, um, No Country for Old Men and, uh, The Yellow Rose of Texas as See You Later, Austin. And then we did. I
0: think that movie's just called Yellow Rose, by the way. I'm sorry. The song is called Yellow
1: Rose of Texas. You're right. Yeah. And then we did, uh, bullet and last black man in San Francisco. That's the actual title yeah. for when I, when I landed in San Francisco. And so before we jump into that, my point is if I had never made that move, I could have been going to the draft house for the last fucking six months. There's like five <laughs> of them. They're all open. They had like fucking, they have, you know, fucking the cast of Lord of the Rings has shown up at screenings. there. fucking John sure, Krasinski sure. opened quiet place that like it's back to normal in, in at least that regard there. But, uh,
0: here it's not, it's California. You know what was really illuminating about the moving shows was going back, once we did the shows and we were kind of out of the moment of doing them, I was really surprised on both the um, the White Girl, King of New York show and the Bullet, Last Black Man in San Francisco show that I, when we did the ones where we moved... And we use those as an excuse for me to talk about my experience in LA, you to talk about your experience in Austin. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of very deep emotional connection to those places, even though we were leaving. Mm -hmm. And we're both leaving pretty voluntarily. It's not Mm -hmm. like we were forced and we were kicking and screaming, but the leaving episodes were so much more personal and deep than the arriving shows were yeah and we just had a lot of uh, a lot of experiences I think that grounded us and we couldn't really find a way to talk about the new frontier ahead of us because it was all completely unknown, right. Except that we both had a hunch that the movies were not exactly like, oh, welcome right. to San Francisco. This is everything you need to know.
1: Yeah. So that actually that's that brings me to, to what I next thing I kind of wanted to talk about, which so we we you know, you're gonna get some of our favorite pairs of the year, but to your point and what we're talking about here, on my list of I have five ish here, two of my five are each of the leaving shows. Oh yeah. So like both the LA story and under the silver Lake show and the no country for old men and yellow Rose show both made my top five for the year. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like had you asked me at the time when we were doing those shows, I probably would be like, yeah, I mean, you know, most of the time, as far as you are all concerned, a hundred percent of the time we put out wonderful content, but most of the time when we finished the show, I'm like, that was a good show. But I don't remember finishing those shows and being like, "Wow, that was just a that was one that was that's going to be top five for the year." You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like as much as I hate nostalgia, I feel like there is something there is some some actual uh, substance to those shows that we were able to inject into that pair.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I I think we were both interested in doing shows like that. Again, just the entire idea of taking a single location and kind of uh, learning about an area through movies. You know, movies are such a language that we've used to explore so many different things in our life. And that's been consistent, you know, through various years of the show. I think uh, this last year, one of the things that you and I had talked about a little before the show is that we really, we kind of traveled the world with this. We found a, Mm -hmm. a diversity of voices, a lot of different backgrounds. I just talked on a show not too long ago about rediscovering Korean cinema. But, you know, it's not as if we really sit down to go, how many countries can we hit? when we do a year, a double feature. Yeah, when I look at this, I mean, we have things from France, from Britain, from all over Europe, from Korea, uh, Japan. I mean, it's really, it's a lot of different, maybe even more so than a normal year of the show, a lot of different filmmakers, a lot of different directors, and a lot of different countries. And I don't know, I've been finding that uh, increasing in, in my personal watching too that i'm seeing a lot of st- i think part of it was just going over to uh to london a couple of years ago and just spending so much time over there and realizing like i don't know it was this is this is going to sound so naive to people who uh got their backpacking through europe done when they were younger <laughs> but i discovered late in life um really how fucking sheltered we are as americans and how common it is in the other countries that i've been to for them to just travel all over the fucking world you know the number of people in this country in the united states who don't even have passports is ridiculous compared to how just the the sort of culture in europe and how people travel and also just the the kind of cinema that sure. they experience
1: yeah, I mean there's there's a I don't I'm not going to misquote the statistic, but there's an upsettingly high percentage of Americans who have never left their home state. Should look that number up. It's like higher than you want.
0: Yeah, and I mean like okay, so is that depressing about America? Sure. But it's also exciting to me because what that says is there's a lot of stuff out there and if you watch a lot of movies and you get bored and everything looks repetitive, you just kind of dig around in some of those other countries because sure. uh, there's crazy stuff out there.
1: yeah I mean I, I mean it's depressing to a certain degree but I just think it's also it's one of those things it's just speaking about perspective like you know you and I may understand that someone who hasn't left their home state in in America is probably missing out on a certain percentage of life experience. But what's really important about that understanding is extrapolating it to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, if if you for me having toured and you having, you know, also kind of toured, if we were to take a map of the United States and tick off every state we'd been to, we would have visited exactly two percent of planet Earth and that doesn't matter and do more, do better. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. it's not important. And I think that I think that, you know, it's again for better or worse this last year of being locked in our homes voluntarily sort of you know we're locking ourselves in our homes because the outside will kill us in series of ways the planet became the internet right it became sort of like a test strategy for all of those um, post-apocalyptic like cyber movies where like everybody's online and online is real life yeah but it 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 made, uh, in those ways, it brought the world closer together, right? Because once, if you if you take, let's just look at theaters again. If you take movie theaters out of the equation, it's no fucking harder to see a movie from Korea than it is to see a movie made in Vancouver. It's the same amount of effort, right? Mm-hmm. At worst, it's four dollars, and at best, you know, you just dig it up all the way down at the bottom of Prime. And so I feel like that is part of why the scope widened on double feature. I think the other side of that, right, is a lot of what informs what we do on double feature. Um, For those of you who don't listen to the show all the time, we don't do a ton of um, current, current movies or even current year movies. Mm -hmm. But when new movies aren't coming out, we can't see. So like this year, here's what's going to fucking happen. Actually, let's use a real example. So, they just announced that Rob Zombie is going to do the Monsters movie. That's a thing that's happening because the engines of Hollywood have sprung back to life. Mm -hmm. And so, Rob Zombie signed on to the Monsters movie. So, what does that mean? Does that mean you and I are going to do the Monsters movie opening weekend? No. But here's what it does do I see that headline and I go, you know what we should do is Rob Zombie's Three from Hell with Monster Go Home. And we're basically, while we're not doing a new movie, the current activity of Hollywood is still fueling the fire of the decisions we're making. Uh, you know, Chloe Zhao gets tapped to do Eternals. We go, let's do the writer and talk about her before everybody else yeah. knows who she is. Yeah. That
0: was one of those American ones we did this year. Right. It's also funny to talk about even just international cinema because we did make a deliberate effort. You know, the last year end episode, we said, wow, a lot of international cinema And this year, I think because because the election went well, we decided to stay in America a bit. You know, Mm -hmm. that's also where those state-centric episodes came from. That's where, uh, you know, First Cow and the Rider was, was kind of a, it was a little bit of an early episode of that. But we got hard ticket to Hawaii. And, you know, later we spent a lot of time in the United States as well. And so I actually think it's it's kind of funny that we still see, you know, Memories of Murder pop up. We still see The Lure. Mm-hmm. We're still seeing a lot of international cinema because we kind of felt, I don't know, it's just become part of our watching habits. Like we can't even shrug off international cinema when we're uh, trying to watch American movies, right. which I think <laughs> is kind of funny. Speaking of which, we had a journey this year. Uh-huh that was um very international it was so where do we leave off on our journey summary i mean
1: we so the journey um for the journey we paired um studio ghibli films alongside a bunch of stop motion mm-hmm. conversations that take more than 49 minutes and i think at the end of it you know we learned that for me right we learned that studio ghibli is is greater than what It looks like on the surface, studio Ghibli isn't just a spirited away manufacturing machine, which was, that was something I I learned not something that I had, you know, expected to learn. And that I think removing humans from uh, films actually makes you more empathetic because you don't have to worry about decisions appealing to the whole audience. And so if you use stop motion and you can control your characters, acting decisions a little tighter you get a little bit less superfluousness and um, I feel like there's just uh, sometimes a little bit more depth, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we talked way, way, way back on the show about, we used to rag a lot on actors and whether or not they mattered. Um, Not as straightforward as I just put it, but we did sort of (laughs) allude to that a lot. And I think that if I had to make an argument, if I was the devil's advocate on Do Actors Matter, I would bring up every stop-motion movie we covered last year. And I would fucking start with Anomalisa.
0: <laughs> oh my God, leave it to you to say everything in the, in the most provocative way possible. Do Actors Matter? Ridiculous. You know what I found by watching the two back-to-back that I didn't expect... You know, we did these, it started with Spirited Away and Isle of Dogs. And one after another, you know, we would do Studio Ghibli movies, we'd do stop motion. And the biggest surprise for me coming off of that journey, besides all the other stuff we learned as we were going, and those really are uh, great double features just to, uh, you know, our show aside, just to sit down and, and watch those and consider the medium. But I was able to fall right into the animation and think solely about the story and what it's showing. And with stop motion, for whatever reason, it didn't have the same effect on me of distancing yourself from humans. You know, I thought a lot about, I mean, even Isle of Do- You know what's funny about Isle of Dogs? Great example for this. I was listening to uh, Susie and the Banshees because I am me. So mm-hmm. I was listening to Hong Kong Garden. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know this song. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's, you know, the, the Cure does this too. A lot of these dark wave bands, they toured Asia and they wrote silly songs about Asian culture. Mm-hmm. And they were very affectionate. They obviously loved playing there and being there. It's the sort of like Lost in Translation stuff we talked about this year too. Of um, the cultural shock of being somewhere else like that, and you know when Hong Kong Garden comes on, and it starts with, uh, but I don't need to explain the. We're not breaking down the song here on Double Feature, but the point is, it starts with like a little Asian riff, right? Mm-hmm. Think about if you don't know the song, think about like I'm turning Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the little fucking guitar bit in that, and Hong Kong Garden comes on, and. Like I can be into it. Uh, you know, I'm going to have my little uh, uh, my little bop in the chair here or just like it, the musical wash over me. I'll love it. But if well. an Asian person walked by me, I would be <laughs> so embarrassed to be listening. To that. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is this, uh, this effect that I've been struggling with with Isle of Dogs. And I didn't talk about it on the show. We alluded to it a little bit. But it's this sort of I don't even want to use a loaded term like appropriation, but it's sort of that. Mm -hmm. It is Americans sort of paying tribute to other cultures through a kind of mimicry or through trying to represent it in a way that, uh, I, I don't know, there's like an uncomfortability around it. And that is its own thing to think about, but the reason I even bring it up is we started that journey with Isle of Dogs And it kept me thinking about the filmmakers through every stop motion movie. Mm -hmm. It kept me thinking, and I don't know if part of it is that, though, you know, stop motion uses physical objects, and maybe that's some of it too, but I can't separate those. You know, I can't, I think more about the filmmaking during stop motion than I probably do during live action. Just very strange, unintended, uh, I don't know, unintended consequence maybe of stop motion.
1: Did Kubo bother you in the same way then? Because that's kind of similar.
0: No, but that's, you know, what's funny is Kubo really sort of, bl- it just pushes the animation <laughs> in such a way yeah. that, you know, it gets a little fuzzy in your brain. Mm-hmm. When we get to My Life as a Zucchini, I mean, you know, that that was a film that I really loved. I mean, even Isle of Dogs I really appreciate so, I don't think there were any films along that journey that felt like, oh, this is doing something wrong. But it just got me thinking about the people who make it and kind of the craft around it in a mm-hmm. way that I didn't with uh, with the Studio Ghibli
1: films. Did you even? You a, didn't feel like Porcoroso was a Japanese appropriation <laughs> of Italian culture?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> you just got to make everything so difficult, <laughs> don't you?
1: Okay, so I've I've already given not to just like complete left turn here, but we're we're getting. No, let's do it. We're, we're do somewhere it. in the show, and you owe me at least a few top picks. I have okay, mine so in order. I have a top five in order. Oh wow, no kidding, huh? Yeah. Okay, so I want to um, a lot of good movies this year. By the way, not not a, some of my favorite movie. In fact, most of my favorite movies we did on the show this year didn't. Make top pairs because I felt like they were just like perfect example is the last week's episode where we did um behind the curve like behind the curve great but like Tammy and the T Rex and behind the curve like the pair isn't so good
0: yeah, yeah yeah the
1: movies are fun
0: I think um you know I have to I I want to talk about something on that uh, on that note but I'll give you a pair first because you okay. said I owed it to you thank you uh, the lure and the untamed. Mm. hit a spot for me where I just wanted to... The
1: tentacles hit a spot for you?
0: Yeah, they absolutely did. And I just, I love fucking around with movies like that. Uh, the psychosexual stuff on the show this year was great. Anything that just felt like kind of smutty, you know, we really pushed into edgy cinema everywhere we could. And that was one I love doing. Also, while you're talking about you know, good movies, and actually bringing up Behind the Curve. You know, we did Cuties this year on the show, Mm -hmm. and that was another one of us. There was, like, controversy at the time that has since like, fucking evaporated. But I did want to follow up on that show because I remember one of the weird things we talked about uh, that we didn't check again on Behind the Curve, but we should have, is that there was an odd sort of almost suspicious resistance to how the the sexuality of the children was kind of coming into play or like the coming of ageness and where that intertwined with sexuality. And it was bizarre to us because we watched the movie and we looked at it and we went, this is fine. I don't know, this is like every other movie that does this. I don't know why people care. And I had said at the time that I was growing suspicious of this strange like online mob of people whose rallying cry was stop the pedophilia, stop the sex trafficking. And by the time we, so we kind of just like raised a question like, huh, this is weird that all these people are just like, oh my God, protest cuties and there's nothing even in it. Mm -hmm. But then we got to behind the curve. And I think by the time we got there, you can even hear it in our conversation. The world learned about the Q stuff. They learned about these like weird mobs of people online we talked about the hbo doc on that show and we we've learned a lot more about just kind of this odd culture of pizzagate people Mm -hmm. who i think were the mob against that movie anyways follow up on cuties (laughs) but that's not the other top five i wanted to mention i'll Mm -hmm. give you let's let's just count them down man all right. In no particular order, of course. Yeah,
1: counting down in no particular order.
0: <laughs> knives Out and Eight Women was another one I wanted to call out. Uh, I love when we can do a, you know, you've probably seen Knives Out. Uh-huh. Um, everybody knows what that is. The The sequel is gaining like meme infamy and in how many people they're announcing for it. But Eight Women was sort of the Knives Out before Knives Out happens. And I love when we can do a show that's like, hey, here's a huge movie. Everybody saw it. It's great. It's a great movie. And if you finish this movie and we're dying for more like this, here's a foreign movie. Here's a little less, you know, sung movie. And I also think because we've seen so many of those actresses in other double feature films, that was just a really, is one of the best examples I could think tribute to you for. I think for coming up with that <laughs> um, was another one of mine. Give me another one of yours.
1: Uh, so my my I, mine are actually in order. Um, but my uh, my number five, and it's actually a fun one because it was sort of one of the ones that you and I had the most hesitation about, but also um, it's like sort of a perfect pair, but like suspiciously perfect uh, when we did Midsummer in the Lighthouse. Oh hell yeah! It's a little on the nose. <laughs> But what I like about it, other than the fact that those two movies just go great together, they're exactly in the same space of horror. They're in the they're you know, in the same vein that horror is going, that you and I like to celebrate and champion and and, and so such and such and such. But what I like about that pair is we put those two movies together, you know, a million years ago. And they still feel, it feels like a relevant pair that we could do again right now. And both of those movies would still be like, ah, yes, Midsummer, and ah, yes, The Lighthouse. So often we do like a horror pair. And then like when we get back around to thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, that was like the perfect example is a movie like Us, which is something that you and I have a similar problem with. We want to pair it. We know we want to do it. But like, I'll be honest, like no one's talking about us. I see. I see midsummer memes and the lighthouse memes once a fucking day. Yeah, those are those are fucking those are in the public ethos of of horror cinema and and regular you know just broader cinema. So that pair was great, but I also love that that pair still feels like it makes sense to do for anybody.
0: Do you remember the context that we did that pair in? Uh, vaguely, it was at the end of something new we did this year. Which we, we kind of happened into, which was in October, where we tried to do a lot of horror movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We had done a different decade every week. Oh, that's right, that's right. So we had picked, you know, we did Valentine and Idle Hands as the Y2K ones. Mm-hmm. Ice Cream Man and the Dentist, and then Chopping Mall and Bloody Birthday. Bloody Birthday, by the way, is still so fucking weird. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that movie until I was looking over the stuff from last year, since we did it. And it's just so strange, <laughs> but yeah. So that was kind of a new thing, and it did uh, it did provide a, a great, you know, final moment to go. It's the end of the month. It's the last week of the year. We're on Halloween. Here's Midsummer and Lighthouse. I didn't put that on my list because I was so fucking sure you'd pick it. Mm-hmm. So here we are.
1: <laughs> I'm willing to bet you won't. You wouldn't guess my number one in a million years. Well, give me another one. Well, then my next two are No Country and Yellow Rose for the Sayonara Austin show, and then it, it's basically a tie. Although I did like the L.A. story under the Silver Lake show slightly better because under the Silver Lake is just a movie I really love. But those are that's my 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 four and three going down. Those are just great shows, and like I said, it was like they're great. They're great shows, great movies, and I feel like having lived in these places we were able to sort of go, these are movies that represent this place. And then we kind of like threw shit at the wall for the city we were moving to. So something I would like to do for next year, patreon.com forward slash double feature, is I would like to... Pick another pair for our current cities each. So you get to pick a New York pair that's actually a New York pair. Yeah. And I'll pick a San Francisco pair that's actually a San Francisco pair. Yeah. I think that would be something fun to look at again. Um, Or maybe we just do it differently, right? Maybe we, you pick a New York, I pick an SF, and that's a pair. And we just get to talk about this is actually a movie that feels more like this place, right? We can, we can do that too. Yeah. But I would very much like to revisit our current cities because you know the other pairs from this experiment are not on my list and i think that that's why i think we didn't really oh yeah we didn't have a grasp yet
0: well yeah now we've learned you know we've learned a lot more about the cities and you know you mentioned i was going to a lot of these theaters what surprised me so much about coming to new york that i mean a lot of stuff has but man there you know i lived in los angeles and i really thought oh yeah this is like mecca of independent film There's something like uh, 35 indie movie theaters of some variety here. You know, I've been going to new ones every single week. I mean, there's just really a whole side of New York that I didn't even know about, even though it's been pounded home as a central city through, you know, just movies in general. You don't know a place until, you know, you've, you've really lived there for some time. So I would love to go back to that one, too. Pretty soon after I moved here, one of the first pairs we watched after the move was Horse Girl and Possessor.
1: That's my number two.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> I mean, I will... Well, I'll give you a different angle on it. I mean, you know, the, I do think it was a good pair. I like the themes we played with, but that's all in the episode itself. We talked about it. The other thing I liked is I just fucking loved those movies. And, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to find very interesting pairs and films that complement each other, move out of our comfort zone. But frankly, what that also means is we do a lot of movies where I don't have an immediate interest in them or they're kind of a slog, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's part of the joy of the show after having done it this long is to find like these movies that aren't so obvious right on the top of like, oh, everybody loves this movie because they know it did this. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we did a movie like um, Chelsea Girls, Mm -hmm. perfect example, right? It's more than three hours, it's incomprehensible in in many regards, and it's hard to find and watch. But we did it because it's sort of like, well, Warhol is a name you hear, Mm -hmm. this is a notable film, let's look at this and try to figure it out. And while I enjoy doing that, I'm also just like looking for really, really fucking good movies. Mm -hmm. And Horse Girl and Possessor were two movies I wanted to see. And then surprise,
1: surprise, they were fucking awesome. And so I love the show. My main note for this pair as number two is it's the pair I would rewatch right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's all I have. Is I would just this pair is a pair that if you were like, hey, we're wa- if if Joe Bob was doing Horse Girl and Possessor, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I'm here all night. Let's go,
0: man. The last drive in another uh, another savior during these COVID times. <laughs> that's been keeping me on the movie watching too. Uh dig and killing Bono. That's my number that one. That was <laughs> damn man. Damn, look at this. <laughs> Uh well, I'll let you talk about it because I have a pretty obvious <laughs> uh, number
1: one yeah um yeah, this dig and killing Bono a hundred percent my favorite pair um because the movies were super fun and they go together so well but they're not unlike uh, midsummer and the Lighthouse, right two good movies that go great together. I think these two movies suffer if you don't watch them together. I think that it's two movies that you have to pair to really get the full scope of what's being talked about in either film. There's so much wrong about this pair for us. Uh, it mentions you two, which is a big no-no. Um, also, <laughs> not we not Paul
0: Houston. It doesn't say Paul
1: Hewson. In the- yeah, killing Paul Hewson. Come on. Also, we did a documentary first. That's usually not something we do. Um, One of the films has punctuation. I know that that really grinds your gears.
0: Hate it. Can't stand it.
1: And furthermore, this documentary is about um, bands, right? musicians, who you and I had less than a passing understanding or even interest in. Right. It's basically yeah. a documentary about two bands. And it's like, did you ever want to know more about the Brian Jonestown Massacre versus the Dandy Warhols? And I'm like, I didn't know that that was a thing to know more about. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Well, it does exactly what you hope, which is like, you don't have to like these bands to like these movies.
1: Right. I feel like one of the other things that this really finally scratched the itch for, and you can attest to this being the person I throw pears at multiple times a year but uh, I'm constantly trying to find music pairs because like, that's a thing that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm never able to like really pull off a music pair that feels like a music film pair. It's either like fucking head, which is like, I guess the monkeys are a band. That's uh-huh. not what this movie is about. Or it's rock and roll high school where it's like, I guess this is a movie unless you're just going to pretend it's, not a Ramones concert for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Dig and Killing Bono, Um, shouts out to our Patreons who suggested it. But that was a great, uh, that was my number one pair. I love it. And Killing Bono was a movie I watched fucking 10 years ago and thought was mediocre. And I don't know why I suddenly was like, this would be perfect, but it was. And I feel good about it.
0: Damn, man. And I... uh ha- I'll give you another one because I don't like that's exactly the reason I love that double feature. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I could just repeat literally everything you said. You know, I didn't put this on here because I thought it was too obvious, but we did Alan the Piano Teacher. Mm. It's exactly the kind of double feature that I love. I mean, really, just more than anything, it's like psychosexual art house films that aren't for everyone you know movies that i'm not sure people should watch and i i would recommend it to you if you weren't going to come back and like you know charge me with a crime you know what i mean <laughs> the mere sort of like hey what are you uh, what are you up to you should watch l and the piano teacher i feel like i i need to card somebody before i uh before i give them that recommendation but i just i didn't put it on here because i was like oh yeah Eric stuff, like Ellen and mm-hmm. The Piano Teacher. And I'd already put Untamed in the lure on here, so I sort of felt like the obvious. But to be honest, my number one was sort of in that area too, just because of the things we've already talked about, and I can't help thinking about them, which is Memories of Murder and The House that Jack Built. That's a really good one. The biggest thing for me was just that it scratched an itch. It scratched an itch, which is good, but it had this dual purpose. And that's what made it my favorite this year. They're all my favorite, but that's what made it my favorite this year is I kind of, I've, you know, we've both been watching true crime stuff. I'm thinking about, you know, Jack as the murderer and then the detectives from memories of murder and the two sides of that coin. And fine, that's all the double feature. But it was watching that movie that it not only scratched the itch, but it really pushed me into find more South Korean cinema. And to have two movies where you're kind of in the mood to watch them and that's great, that's a pretty good double feature. But in my mind, a great double feature is you watch those and you go, wow, I want to follow up this other stuff. I'm watching The House of Jack Belt and I'm like, you know, I really need to see Nymphomaniac again. Mm -hmm. And it pushes you, it propels you to take this action you wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, I guess all I'm really describing is inspiration. It was an inspiring pair to watch. Mm -hmm. And man, especially that fucking South Korean cinema. I just can't. Eating up every little bit of it I can. (laughs) So look, I wanted to save one thing to launch us into the next year of the show. Mm -hmm. We did this uh, big, long logline exercise that we joked about at the beginning. And I did kind of want to talk about what we've learned from that and why that's been a, a good exercise to do and maybe how that's even changed our show a little bit. But I thought we're going to have to give it the first try of next year on next episode. And for people who aren't familiar with log lines, why not address it then? Mm-hmm. So there's my, my one piece of cutting room floor year end that you can join us on the very next episode. Doublefeature.fm is the website. Patreon.com forward slash doublefeature is where you make sure we can actually get some of these shows done for next year.
1: What are we doing? Tell me what we're doing next time on the show. Next time on the show, we are, you know, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to, we're basically hedging our bets. This is going to be a huge, huge, huge success. Um, there's no way this could fail next year. And so we picked two movies that illustrate that beautifully. That couldn't possibly fail. Too big to fail. So we're going to do, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do, um, Jupiter Ascending and Alita Battle Angel. Two films, too big to fail by filmmakers too big to fail with stars too big to fail that you have never heard about since they came (laughs) out you've
0: never seen (laughs) (laughs) that's great well we'll dig them back up and um, uh put them on the marquee again all
1: right so uh until then watch more fucking film bye